So thank you, Eric. Um, thank you, Pastor Aaron, for having me here today. It's an absolute honor to be here. And this is my first Sunday morning at Foundation Church. But I have came to um, at least a couple of your midweek recovery services. And I just want to first start off by saying that as a person who suffered from addiction for 18 years and who's now nine plus years on the other side of that, I want to commend you. Thank you. I want to commend you on your, on this church's heart for those struggling with addiction and those living in recovery. It's very commendable and it's, it's palpable um, when you're in here on a Thursday night and also on a Sunday morning. And I know that churches that are safe places for people to come and explore Christianity and learn who Jesus is and take the next step, churches like that are what helped bring me back to Christ. It was the love of, it was people showing me the love of Christ through their actions that softened my heart to the possibility that I could also be accepted into Christ's kingdom and live for him. So thank you all for what you do. Uh, my wife and I, we planted a church in Louisa in 2016. We had our we started meeting in 2016 and had our first official public service in 2017. And I know you all originally planted in 2019 and and I and what I can tell you is that we have been watching you from Louisa and you've inspired us for several years now and motivated us to continue to love people on behalf of Christ. So it's amazing to kind of watch what you're doing. Um, Keep doing it. It's great. And so as I move into the message today, um, and and I know we talked about how September is recovery month, one of the things we don't hear a lot is that actually in the United States, there are more people living in recovery than in addiction in the United States. There's 23 million people in recovery. There's 20 million people in addiction. And you've got some powerhouses that are in recovery in this church that you ought to uh, be very, that I'm very thankful for. Um, Desi and Matt and Eric and Chelsea and many others. So as I move into today's message, I am in, I'm week five of a series that you're in about the rhythms of prayer. And the the topic of today's message as it relates to the series that you are in is the, the word yield. And as for me, when I think of the word yield, I immediately think of a traffic sign and how that relates to me driving. And I shared this with the first service as well, is admittedly when I come to a yield sign, sometimes I'm not sure if it's for me or the other person, even though I really kind of know it's for me. But in the moment, I'm like, I just kind of look and make sure I don't hit anybody and keep going. And that works for me sometimes. Uh, It's not as confusing as a roundabout, but it does confuse me. And the word yield, though, if you look it up on how it, what it really means, the yield sign, it means that yield means 
letting other drivers, bicyclists, and pedestrians go first. It assigns the right-of-way of traffic in certain intersections, and, and here was the most impactful part of this. It said, if you see a yield sign ahead of you, that means you should let other people go first. So the sign is for you and not them. They keep rolling. We are the ones that yield if we see that sign. And if we think about the term yield as it relates to our faith journey, just as you would use that sign on the road, it would mean that yielding to God means that we surrender our lives to Jesus and we commit to Him and follow His lead. So He gets to go first. We get the pleasure of going second and following Him. Yield is also a term, not just in in traffic rules, but yield is also a a business and a, a farming term, where if you, in business, if you put money in an investment, you'll, you may yield a return on that investment. Or if you plant seed, you may yield a crop. And as I was preparing for the message, I felt like God showed me during it that if we will yield to Him, then we will get a return on that investment in our lives. And I shared earlier as well, that doesn't mean if you gave $10 to the church that you'll get $100 in the mail tomorrow. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that if you yield your life to Christ, that everything becomes perfect and easy. Matter of fact, it guarantees that it won't probably, but it's not already. But if you if you yield your life to Christ, what it does guarantee is that you can walk in and experience the peace that surpasses all understanding. So you can have peace in the good times, and you can have peace in the storm. It means that you can experience hope when everyone else thinks it's hopeless. It means that that loved one that you have that's in addiction that everyone else has given up on, that means you can have hope for their life even when they can't have hope for their own life. That's what yielding to Christ means, is it gives us a whole new perspective and a different perspective than what the world can access. It means being satisfied even when there isn't enough because he's always more than enough. And that's not... When you yield to Christ, um, at least for me when I was growing up, and I, I was the one misunderstanding it, certainly, but I always understood it to be that I, I was supposed to give my life to Christ so that later when I died, I would get something from Him that was heaven and not hell. And that's absolutely true, and there's a whole lot more to the story than that. If we yield to him today, we can access his peace, his purpose, his hope right now, not just later.
So it's a gospel for today. And so as we think about the word yield, it brought me into a a topic or a question, a question about one of the more well-known topics in the Bible, which is the Great Commission. And the question that, that came to my mind during the preparation of this message and thinking about the word yield is, are we, are you, am I, following the Great Commission or the Great Convenience? Are we following our comforts? Are we yielding to ourselves? Or are we yielding to what He would have us do and how we would be in the earth? And so before we get deep into that, I just want to talk briefly about the Great Commission. So the Great Commission is the instruction of the resurrected Christ. So he gave the he he instructed the disciples on the great commission 8 days after he was resurrected and he instructed them to spread the gospel to all the nations of the world. It's referenced in five different places in scripture, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John and Acts. It happened on a mountain in Galilee, located in Jerusalem. And he asked them to make followers who make followers. He set in motion something that we're talking about still this morning. And we're in, we're in 2023 in Grayson, Kentucky. And we're talking about a movement that kicked off without the internet, without Facebook, without the gasoline engine, and we're in here talking about it over 2,000 years later, to make followers who make followers. That's kingdom mathematics that is better, way better than one plus one equals two. And that's why we're here today sharing in this beautiful Great Commission So it also means dispersing, sending, dispatching others into the world who are carrying out the ways and the means and the teachings of Christ so that it continues to ripple all throughout the ages. It emphasizes ministry, missionary work, evangelism, baptism, and more. And 2,000 plus years ago, Jesus said it to his 11 disciples. And today, I think he's telling us the same thing. I don't think it's changed. So what is a commission? A commission is an official group of people who have been given responsibility to control something to find out something, usually for the government. Well, I think Jesus actually came to overthrow the regular way that governments work and create a new kingdom inside the earth. So he was able to overthrow the ways of the government without lifting a finger. Matter of fact, he laid his life down. He overthrew everything, not by violence, 
but by laying himself down. He turned everything on its head when he came. His disciples thought he was going to come as a mighty king and warrior, but he did the exact opposite of what they expected him to do. And so let's move into um, Scripture, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. And so he gave them the Great Commission. We now have the Great Commission. And that responsibility today lies on our shoulders with his help. Jesus came and told his disciples... And by the way, this is eight days after he was resurrected. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Side note here, this is eight days after he was resurrected, and he still had to remind them that he had all the authority on heaven and earth. Because they doubted, and they were confused, and they were scared. And so if, if that's you today, that's okay. They were, they were also confused and doubted and, and had times of fear. And God, Jesus reminded them of who he was. He'll remind you of that today as well. So I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So notice in this short scripture, he says to, to baptize people, but then he keeps going, because I think too many times we can accidentally think that once somebody gives their life to Christ and gets baptized that, okay, yay, the work is done. And it's, it's fantastic, but the work's really just getting started at that point. That's when the rubber starts to really meet the road with your faith life, and God calls you to keep doing more or maybe even keep giving more of yourself away to Him. And then lastly... If you think about this great commission about how he's asking us to make disciples that make disciples all throughout the earth, I don't know about you, but for me, when I hear that, that seems like a little overwhelming. That seems like that's a whole lot of work to do. How are we going to do all that? I'm from Louisa. I'm from, actually, I'm from Inez, even smaller than Louisa. How am I supposed to make disciples that make disciples in all the earth? But he reminds them in verse 20, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So, yes, it's on us to to take the responsibility, but it's also on us to trust him to help us do the work. If we don't hear it with that, with those ears, this can become a message of anxiety and stress when really it's a message of, trust and faith. So I think too many times in American Christianity, we're chasing what we've been sold as the American dream, which is get a house, get a couple cars, get the white fence, take a vacation every summer, have a couple kids, 
get a job, go to school, get that job and keep keep that same job, get your 401k, take no risk, come to church on Sunday morning and just check all of these American dream boxes. Now there's nothing wrong with those. But if that becomes our priority instead of him, then that's where the challenge comes from. Matter of fact, between services, Eric Bush and I were talking, and he was talking about how, and I agree with him, it's happened to me too, there's been times that God has asked him to do things, and he started to do them, and then he's accidentally made the thing the priority instead of God. I'm sure we've all been there. I've certainly been there. We'll, We'll most likely get there again. It's a constant asking God to make us aware of what our real priority is and are we yielding to Him or are we yielding to ourselves, someone else, our comforts, our conveniences, our fears, our worries, our our worries, our anxieties. One of the only ways I know how to hear from God is to be very on purpose. It's hard to hear. As I'm getting, I'm 44, and I'm noticing as I'm getting older, the more background noise that's happening in a room, the less I can hear. If there's music on, I can't hear Summer. If she's asking me to do some sort of yard work, I can't hear Summer. Um, if, If it's something I don't want to hear, I can't hear Summer talking. But if, if, if I sit still and I'm quiet, that's when I can hear the best. The only way we can yield to God is to listen. There's no other way. To be in His Word, to listen, to be with like-minded believers on a regular basis, to get equipped, to get healed up, to continue to do his work. So sometimes I think in 2023 we've got all the all the technologies, all the apps. We're never discon- I'm never disconnected from my phone or not nearly enough. And all of these things coming at us, emails, text messages, notifications can keep us from you can't yield to God if you don't even know what he wants for your life. And you if you don't spend time with him, if I don't spend time with him, I forget that he's really as good as he is. And if I don't know that he, he is, he's good, I don't even really, I start to not even trust what's going on. More time with God, regular time with God is a great way to yield to him to know what he wants in your life. So the question is, do we chase convenience or do we chase calling? I do both. Sometimes. Do we align? We're always aligned to something. We're either aligned to him or we're not. And I'm this isn't like a condemning message of if you're not aligned to him and you're chasing comfort, then you're not saved. Nothing like that. This is a how do you get to the next step in your faith journey with Christ? Because the closer that we can get to him, the more we can hear from him, the more we yield to him and not ourselves the more we can live out that Great Commission. So there's four quick points in the Great Commission that I want to touch on. There are, there's seek. 
He says, seek, go into the world. And what that doesn't say is have a church service and they'll all come in here and get saved and join you. Now, you should have church services. Don't get me wrong. They're good. They're needed. They're necessary for healthy Christian community. But what it means is we must go into the world and show people and tell people that God loves them. We have to go to them, not just open the doors and expect them to come to us. And you all do that through various outreaches and creativity in your ministry and evangelism. We, we watch from Louisa. You, you do this as a church so well. I think I heard earlier that you're about to have another serve, serve weekend. And, and those are, sometimes it's not even about the, the scripture that you read to somebody. somebody. Sometimes it's just about letting them know that you care. Matter of fact, when I checked into treatment, so I, I suffered from addiction for 18 years. And when I checked into treatment, I was, I, I, I didn't, I didn't either, I either didn't believe in God or I didn't know if I believed in God. I was so confused. I didn't even know for sure what I believed. I had, I had been, I was mad at the church, but it was really all my doing. Nothing the church did. And I had rejected everything. I wanted to be as far away from church as I could be because I was ashamed of my actions in life and where I had gotten to. And when I got to treatment, they would take us to church um, every Sunday. And sometimes they would take us to Huntington, West Virginia, to a church, Christ Temple Church. Other times they would take us to Better Life in Moorhead. And the folks in both of those churches were so nice to us that was that was more that impacted my life more than the messages I heard because them being nice to me softened my heart to the gospel. And that began to change everything in my life. So we must go into the world and not just be comfortable in our regular routines. Y'all might think I'm crazy here, but one of the most successful ministry things that we ever did at the table was we had um, we had Batman give the message one Sunday. The 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 legit Batman that drives the Batmobile, not the real Batman. I nobody's really seen him, but yeah, but the guy that drives around and does it for a living. He came on a Sunday morning, and he and he's got all kinds of Christian principles in his messages that he ta- and he does does this across you know youth groups all across multiple states, and he came and gave the message, standing up in in the pulpit in a Batman suit, and there are still and that was five years ago. There are still people that come to the table today that had never been before that came because they wanted their kid to see Batman. It was, it was a creative way to share the gospel. So I want to urge you, be creative in how you share the gospel. It may not be Batman behind the pulpit, but I believe that people are worth every ounce of creativity that we can give them. Number two, disciple. Teach and walk with people. 
discipleship doesn't mean doesn't just mean a bunch of classes that somebody takes, even though information's good, but also role modeling behavior and actions to new believers. That role modeling is as important as any information that we can give someone because it matter of fact, I believe most of the time that people will listen to what you do more than they will listen to what you tell them to do and make sure. So one of the things that um, in recovery circles that you'll hear sometimes is make sure that your audio matches your video. Make sure that what you say and what you do are the same thing. And that's hard. That's really hard. Number three, baptism. Baptism is a physical representation of what's already happened in the spiritual. It's a, it's a clear line in the sand of the old is dead, the new is alive, I'm following Christ. And number four, teach to obey all commands and quickly summed up, love God and love people. Those are the two greatest commandments. Love God, love people. So I've got a, a, just a couple minutes left here. I want to quickly go into Matthew 19. In your Bibles, the topical header will be the rich, in most of your Bibles, it'll say the rich young ruler. Some of you may know this story. Some of you, if not, Jesus is sharing a parable about, not a parable, but Jesus is sharing about what happens when somebody comes to him and asks him how to get eternal life. Verse 16, someone came to Jesus with this question. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Jesus says, why ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good, but to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Which ones? The man asked. Because isn't it like our flesh to want the checklist? Tell me what I can do. Tell me what I can't do. I'll do, I'll do my best to follow that. And if I do a good job, if I do a good job, then I will pat myself on the back because I've gotten some of it right. Maybe. So Jesus replied, You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. And the, the young man said, Well, I've, I've obeyed all those commandments. The young man replied, what else must I do? And Jesus told him, well, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. You see, he was all about following Christ when he was yielding to himself. So basically, when the list of following Christ included the things that he was already doing pretty good, he was all in. But when the rubber met the road and he had to put some skin in the game, 
He chose a different path. He yielded to himself instead of yielding to Christ. And Jesus knew what had his heart, and that's why he asked him for his possessions. Shared earlier that if if you have things that you can't give away, you don't own those things. Those things own you. And that doesn't mean material only. If it's an if you're just if you pride yourself in being angry all the time, but you can't give that away and let some of that down, that owns you. That that is eating you from the inside out. You don't own that trait. That trait owns you. If it's never having healthy boundaries and standing up for yourself, same thing goes with that as well. If you can't give some of that up to Christ, it controls you way more than you ever would control it. And so this rich young ruler, he couldn't let go. And as we move to the, uh, actually there it is, letting go, finding Jesus in surrender. As we move to uh, the, the end of the service, my question to you is this. What are you, what are we, what am I holding on to? Because I believe that God wants to reveal to us this morning the things that we are holding on to that are holding us back from who he's called us to be. There are things that we are yielding to, me, me, me especially, that aren't him. There's material possessions. There's grudges. There's unforgiveness there's attitudes, there's mindsets, there's behaviors that are controlling us, that are preventing us from taking that next step in our relationship with Christ. And so as we, as we get ready to close the service, that rich young ruler, he asked Jesus, what did he have to do? What do I have to do? Because oftentimes we want to do more for Christ. And that's not always a bad thing, but he was interested in his works. What can I do? And Jesus pivoted that question and asked him to go, to sell, to give, and to follow. Jesus wanted him not to do, but to surrender. Jesus wanted him not to do, but to let go of more of himself so that he could pick up more of Christ. My question this morning is, what do we have in our hands that are preventing us from grabbing a hold of Jesus and taking yet another step towards him, another step closer, another step of faith in our walks? And so I'm going to ask for a, a little action this morning as it relates to this topic, is so Jesus wanted the rich young ruler to go to sell, to give, and to follow. And in the front of you, in front of you, in the back of the seat in front of you, there are there they're your cards, and they say, I have decided to follow Jesus. That was the last thing that Jesus asked the rich young ruler. And on the other side of that paper of this card, 
there's a bottom paragraph that says, how can we pray for you? And what I, what I want to ask each of us to do this morning is to ask God to highlight the areas of our life where we aren't yielding to Him. Not in a condemning kind of a way, but in a, in a very uh, vulnerable, healthy place of conviction. God, show me the areas that I need to give to you in this season of my life. And my ask is that you'll write that on the card and drop it off in the box in the back and then the prayer team here will pray uh, because none of this is easy. None of this comes easy. None of this is perfect. Our journeys are, are not a straight line. They're up and down, left and right. But if you will take a moment to ask God that question and fill out the card and then drop it off in the box, I'm confident that God will see our faith and He'll give us the grace and He'll give us the grit to be able to yield to Him. Thank you all so much.